Okay, if you take a beer bottle and you take a, a piece of string and wrap it around the, the beer bottle, we'll soak it in lighter fluid first. Light it. Let it heat to the point where the string breaks away. Uh, take the bottle and run cold water on it. The heat exchange will cause a clean crack circular around the bottle. Dude bros make glasses out of them. Well, that's quite a dude bro thing to do. Yeah. Alright everyone and welcome to episode 6 of The Deep End with Halen Pittman. My guest tonight, Justin Lizza. Hey, how's it going? Been a minute here, but I uh, had to rearrange a few things in the garage of doom in beautiful Williamson, South Carolina. Thanks for listening. Tonight's topic, tell them a little bit about Mr. Lizza. Oh, I wanted to come here and talk about anthologies. Anthology series, movies, short stories, anything really that's just one shot. That's, that's expansive, but there's a lot of really good meat on those bones. Anything in particular? Well, it started out with Twilight Zone. I think most people have been exposed to that a little bit. It works very well for the horror genre, and I think Twilight Zone set a lot of tropes for sci-fi and horror starting in the 50s. Rod Sterling did a very good job writing for that show, and he brought a lot of new concepts. It kind of laid the groundwork for a future series, for instance, Night Gallery, which you've actually talked about here. My favorite part about Twilight Zone is probably the dialogue between characters. You don't get a lot of wordy dialogue and very expansive vocabularies among characters nowadays in TV. And I think they had that in spades in Twilight Zone. Classic anthology TV, TV series. Do you have maybe an object or an idea that things kind of twist around? It's very similar to heavy metal, where yes. you have the evil entity controlling things and messing things up for all kinds of different people. Actually, heavy metal was one of my first introductions to a an anthology movie. I remember watching Heavy Metal 2000 when I was probably too young to be watching Heavy Metal 2000. <laughs> but it was on it was on the movie channels and I, you know, it appealed to me in my adolescence. Well, I did I did recently go back and try to watch the first Heavy Metal. I, I've seen it before and I liked it. I remember liking it at the time and thinking that, oh, these are pretty cool. And then I watched it about a couple weeks ago with my roommate and most of the stories were just like, this doesn't have a point. I think this is just an excuse to show cartoon boobs. But I mean, I feel like if it was redone now with some decent writers or something similar to it, it could be really, really well, you know, good. I think that's a very fair assessment. Have you seen the French are actually doing a series, uh, the Metal Herlant Chronicles? I've not heard of that. Um, heavy Metal uh, was a French comic book. I think originally it was distributed in America by the same people who distributed National Lampoon magazine. Um, so National Lampoon and, and Heavy Metal were together in the, in the first because they were that same kind of college audience, too smart for their own good, kind of smart-assy college bros. I will say that the, the soundtrack really hold, held up. It's amazing. Yeah. It's called Metal Hurlant. It's Hurlant, I think, in, in, in French, but Metal Hurlant Chronicles. And it, it may be, if, if you enjoyed Heavy Metal or any of, the, of, any of these uh, kind of super sexy sci-fi ultra-violent things from the 70s, it's on my list to check out. A big thing for me for anthologies, and I guess how it starts with as kids, is, is reading short stories. Exactly, yeah. I, I still, today, I spend a lot of time on No Sleep Reddit reading horror short stories because I can't get enough of them. That's awesome. That's I'm not really a big fan of horror movies so much. I just like reading them because I guess the imagination creates a much more vivid escape. A big problem that horror movies do is they show you the monster, you know. Right. If you see the monster, it's not scary anymore. It seems real. It seems like you can shoot with a bullet. And you take you take away the, the, the power of its fear. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, My girlfriend showed me it for the first time this weekend, 
And I didn't want to watch it because I was horrified of clowns and what it could mean. But I think that movie was absolutely amazing. You you see the monster, it's this clown. It's not really that threatening. And it starts talking. And then you realize it's, it's more than that. And there's something way more sinister going on. Down yes, we all float. <laughs> that was great. Have you ever seen Creep Show? I have not. Creep Show was done by Stephen King doing those pre-code comics that get really out there and weird and violent. I love that stuff. I have a collection of like old pre-code comics. I guess I can't can't let my son ever read them. He's ready for it now. Two years old is the perfect time to throw one. You gotta start him early, man. And it's funny, the original Creep Show, you know Joe Hill, Stephen King's son? No, I didn't know. Joe Hill is a, is, a, is a horror writer now. Joe Hill plays the little boy in the wraparound story of Creepshow, where they have all these different little vignette stories with really, really dark senses of humor. Because I think that's the entire point of what makes EC Comics EC Comics, beyond a lot of the other horror comics of the time, is that you had horrible things happening, but there was also a moral code because the bad things happened to bad people. Guy beats his wife... One day, he accidentally slips into the meat grinder and gets all ground up in sausage, and his wife sells him and makes a million dollars from, <laughs> okay. the, from having like the best, and never wants to buy her sausage. So shop it's like feel-good karma stories. Yes, with murder and, 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 and darkness. Yeah, but, you, you close the comic, and you're like, all right, yeah, well, it's, justice. But it's the same way like old fairy tales are. The Most of them, you have a, a moral. Bad things happen to people who do bad. Um, but Masters of Horror was kind of a, a relaunch of that same idea. If you have Creep Show, that was in their love letter to old anthologies. Masters of Horror was, hey, let's get these guys together and everyone make a one-hour story. And they did two seasons of them, and I love them. Yeah. I think they're really good. Yeah, I, I would I'd like to see something like that done right now Yeah, in the, the golden age of TV. And we're seeing, we're seeing anthologies pop up here and there with like American Horror Story and uh, True Detective. I love that idea of single season stories. Yeah, that's great, but I, I want single episodes right. with different actors every time like we had with Twilight Zone. That'd be great. Yeah. I and mean, you could get you could probably sign on, if you get that on HBO or Showtime. It would be so hard to make that because no one would want to pay for a series where you have a new location and a new cast and that and, but you'd have to get someone like HBO to buy in on it, and yes. then actually really good actors. I mean, that's that's part of the success of True Detective is getting McConaughey and Woody Harrelson yep. together. I mean, I, when I think of True Detective, I think of, of McConaughey just because of how good a job he did in that series. But I could just watch uh, McConaughey's nihilistic rants, and I would be happy that's for the rest of my life. One of uh, the first anthology movies I was exposed to, besides Heavy Metal, it was an anime that came out in 1995 called Memories. I remember Stephen Goza showed it to me. It had three different stories in it. I think the first one involved a haunted derelict spaceship. The second one, a guy's body odor killing people. And then the third one was really interesting. It was a town. Every single building had some sort of cannon on it, and the entire town was revolved around being able to fire these cannons all the time. And they were perpetually at war with they described as like an outside neighboring city. So the entire purpose of this town was just to fire these cannons and try to destroy the city. But you couldn't see outside the city. All you see around you is a cloud of smoke at, all, at any given time. Yeah, that's so that, that's, that's just the basic premise for the story. I don't remember much else, else about it. There's a series I'm watching right now that's a Japanese anthology series called Prayer Beads. I believe it came out in 2004 originally, and it is terrifying. There's, I just watched the episode called Eddie. This town becomes obsessed with this type of rare seal that's been showing up in the town. You, you follow this little boy, his grandfather, and the news reporter. And like everyone in town loves Eddie, is what they, they named the, the little seal that plays around in the canal. 
And the little boy hates him, freaks out about him. He's like, no, why does everyone like this? Eventually, the, the grandfather takes the boy there. And little, these seals start showing up. And then eventually, they all start coming on to land. And everyone loves them till their heads open up into giant consuming teeth and start eating everyone. That's awesome. And the little boy's <laughs> like, I told all of you! <laughs> As his family gets eaten. Somehow, I, I missed part of it because I was like half asleep when I was watching this episode. He like telepathically makes all of them explode. Oh, okay. I, I, that sounds about right. I'd still so, watch it. Yeah. One of the best anthology series is Treehouse of Horror. Okay, the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. you're uh, right. And that goes and ties back to a lot of Twilight Zone episodes as well. Yeah, a lot of... And, and like not, half of them are parodies of Twilight Zone episodes. Yep, and Night Gallery. Yeah, exactly. You know, they do some Night Gallery. There's actually a, an entire episode that just... Well, there's one that does Twilight Zone. There's one that directly does Night Gallery. Mm-hmm. It's worth picking up, anyone listening, if you get a chance. There's a book called The Twilight Zone Companion by Mark Scott Zakri. He breaks down every episode and ties together the directors, the actors, and shows where everything, the, a lot of the behind-the-scenes information. If you're a big Twilight Zone fan, I'd severely recommend you get it. I don't know if it's still available. It may be out of print, but they did a like complete Twilight Zone collection on uh, DVD. It's like you bought the, the box set, had the entire thing, and it actually had the Twilight Zone Companion in paperback with it. Mark Scott Zakri, Twilight Zone Companion. Totally worth getting if you love it. <laughs> Rock and roll. Scary stories tell in dark. All I can think of is uh, Goosebumps. Okay, there's Goosebumps. <laughs> what was the other one? There was one more on Nickelodeon. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Yeah, scary stories to tell in the dark. Those things were horrifying. Just a few years back, they actually re-released them all, but they changed all the artwork. If you haven't seen them, Justin and I are going to go watch a couple episodes of Amazing Stories. I'll just pick them up and show them to them just to show how horrific this artwork is. Is it and a kid's? It's kid stuff. Oh, wow. These are for little kids, and you have stories of like... A girl waking up and her face itching and having a big bump on her face and she realizes one day when it pops that it was a spider's laying eggs in her face and just crawling and the picture is her of just spiders crawling out of her face that's terrible yeah it is horrifying because this is what they used to read us in elementary school during halloween at palmetto elementary when i was a kid that's where you get a good education (laughs) class would take a shift and they turn all the lights off in the library. We'd go in and they do the the peeled grapes and the spaghetti thing where you put your finger in. Did, did you ever do that? We never did that. You never did this. No, stuff? not okay. in Anderson. Okay, it wasn't cool. Maybe, maybe, Actually, it probably wasn't allowed back by the time I was. Uh, yeah, this was this was way back in the eighty nine ninety. No, yeah, that yeah. was in elementary school in the nineties. But they would play um, uh, "Don't Ever Laugh" as the hearse goes by. You heard that song? No. Oh, dude, don't ever laugh as the hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. What was the rest of that lyric? Because it's all about your body laying in the ground and rotting. That's so morbid for children. (laughs) I know. It was wonderful. They shouldn't be thinking about death. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's interesting thinking back now. But I'm sure for some kids, and for me, yeah. I, I have a yeah. mark on me. Remember, and it used to terrify me to hear that song. And they'd have other stories like Room for One More. The, the guy who goes to the elevator and it's full of people that they look a little weird. And they're like, come on in, there's room for one more. And he's like, no, nah, that's, that's, that's good. And <laughs> they find, they finds out that, uh, that like, as, as the layers going down, the ropes snap and everyone in the elevator dies. I completely gave you the punchline and didn't give you the setup. <laughs> the guy thinks it's weird because he goes in and there's a whole bunch of hearses outside. Well, that's yeah. not where hearses do. They don't get immediately <laughs> dead bodies. No, but this, these are the, the fears of the unknown. There should have been like a coroner's uh, get-together. 
<laughs> just been like hanging out outside. And see, that's the type of stuff that would be for the humor that you'd get more in like the Twilight. Because Twilight Zone had a little bit of Oh, yeah, it did. It was funny. Uh, I think if, if you could somehow finagle getting the Twilight Zone redone using the same scripts, but just kind of updating the stories to be more modern, you yep. could make some awesome TV. I 100% agree with you. Because they try to relaunch them, they've done it. Yeah, they've done yeah. it twice. They done it, they did it once in the eighties. Oh yeah, because they, they there was had, a movie too, right? Yeah, there was Twilight Zone the movie, and then I know uh, just a few years. I think they've tried to relaunch it twice. I want to say there was like a two thousand series and then like a twenty ten series or something. Because one You're had right. Forrest Whitaker in it, and uh, I love Forrest Whitaker, but I think just the quality of the stories weren't there. And I agree with you. If they could just just take the exact re- scripts, reshot. You know, if I could resurrect one person. It would be Rod Sterling. Well, that was the thing. Dude, dude knew how to write a story, man. He did. He does a story for Playhouse Nodney called Requiem for a Heavyweight about a guy who's just a down-on-his-luck boxer, and it, it, it's just like an hour-long thing of him arguing the drama of that. Well, I wish they would teach The Twilight Zone in English class. Oh, yeah. Like, I want in English, because I, I remember doing that in seventh grade. I, I was Everyone thought I was the nerdiest nerd ever, because we were reading... Uh, it was a story about, you read them when you're like 7th and 8th grade. Um, it was a girl whose grandfather was a survivor of the Holocaust. Basically, she like transports, somehow time transports into a girl in the concentration camp to kind of learn from like a children's perspective what it was like in the concentration camp. And, it's, and that's right around the time period you can kind of start almost being able to contemplate the horror of genocide. It's still really not even possible to contemplate the horror of genocide, no, honestly. It's it's not, but becoming aware of the weight of it yeah i think maybe is more appropriate there's an episode of the twilight zone where a guy go who was a like a former camp commandant goes back and he's like attacked and haunted by all the ghosts because he's kind of there kind of gloating like he's kind of escaped the war tribunals and he's developed his own life and he goes back the ghosts are still there waiting for him Uh, but i i brought that to class to watch and everyone thought like this is stupid this is black and white why are we not listening to Nirvana? Yeah, yeah. It's got to go to chance. The script just really pulls it through. That they they do every they, single episode. So no, I'm not going to say every episode. No, there's that's a, not there's true. a but there are some bad them, ones. Yeah, there's so one bad. where uh, kids get a robot nanny that's terrible. It's I can't remember the um, name of it. It's based on do robots dream yeah. of electric sheep? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was it. Is it uh, Harlan Ellison or is that Philip K. Dick? I can't remember. I don't know. Both of those guys, great story writers, not good people. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, I've been learning that so much. The more I learn about old science fiction writers, yeah, most of them were horrible Pretty terrible people. people. Yeah. Like Orson Scott Card. Yeah, yeah. He's not even that old comparatively. He's, no. You know, and they, Still I remember, terrible. A cool book anthology series. I just picked up uh, in paperback. I originally read it in just after high school, the Legends fantasy series. Uh, it's big, a big hardcover, either two little paperbacks that takes like all these different fantasy writers and tells a story within their world. Fantasy anthologies, really cool things to dig into. Sci-fi, these are things you can get so cheap at your local used bookstores, thrift stores. Uh, I mentioned that uh, the Legends one specifically because I went to a, a Salvation Army this morning and picked up Legends and uh, another old fantasy because I love uh, for a dollar man why well, want to try out some old fantasy and sci-fi stuff I just finished yesterday Jack Vance's The Dying Earth it was came out in 1950 originally and um, it's it's kind of known as like science fantasy it's a world millions of years of the future the sun is a giant red star and it's about to go out 
and destroy everything. They don't know if it's going to be 10 years from now or a million years from now, but everything's kind of wore out. Resources are gone, and everyone kind of lives in like a barbarian fantasy world. It's worth checking out if you find it cheap. I'll just say it like, any other favorite anthology TV series or movies, comics? I, I think the best outlet right now for amateur writers to write to put short stories is just reddit different subreddits for no sleep for horror there's a there's a subreddit called writing prompts Mm -hmm. that's really really active and good for short story writers even tales from tech support which is just i like that because i'm an it Mm -hmm. uh just random tech support stories people actually don't tell true stories on there all the time but there's good writers that craft really interesting right. stories. I mean, I mean it's the internet. You have to take everything with a grain yeah. of salt. And there's, science, still, there's yeah. a science fiction short story subreddit to everything imaginable. Fantasy. And you can get all kinds of great series. And there's a lot of people that have actually ended up doing Kickstarters and publishing books because of their success on subreddits. I do know Larry Correa. Correa. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his last name. Did that. Um, I don't know if it was Reddit, but it was some type of forum that uh, he originally he would start his, his short stories a lot of people don't like him because he's um, he's kind of a, a, a right wing gun nut who likes writing stories about fighting monsters. But for its place, I think it's very fun because it's like, man, we hate the government. Let's go shoot some werewolves. <laughs> that sounds it's, great. It's fun. It's pulpy. It's yeah. very fun yeah. and pulpy. It doesn't take itself seriously, so I, I can live with it. But he did the exact same thing. You know, he, he started and his his stuff was popular enough. We're in a time where we're subverting publishers in a lot of different markets. I mean, books, music, yeah. games. Kickstarter's done a lot. And even, yeah. even before Kickstarter, there's self-publishing options that were very viable. I think there's a, a space both for independent publishing and for publishers. Because with publishers, you have the experience of really good editors yeah. and knowing how to actually sell and promote a book. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a big thing. Uh, a lot of self-publishers don't know how to promote. Right, and, and I think, and, and I that's think, some in some cases it's fine. Yeah, and I think with, and I think that's where the music business is right yeah. now. The music business is a dinosaur, and that's why I think smaller labels do it so much better, because you just handle marketing, production, and promotion. We were watching um, Muppets Tonight. It was the 1990s Muppet Show TV series. It went on for it was on for like two years on ABC. Okay, there was an episode with Prince on it. And he was going by his symbol at the yeah, time. Yeah. And so they were just referring to him as the artist known as Prince. It's because he was trying to screw with his record company. He had like a seven album deal or something, something ridiculous. He thought they weren't doing a good job for him and he still had to keep making this. So he wanted to make it hard for them to sell him. He's illegally changed his name to a symbol <laughs> so that where are you going to b- label things? How are you going to sell a symbol? Radio stations aren't going to want to, you know, you can't catalog something that's got a symbol on it. <laughs> so he did it to try to screw with people. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of ingenious. It's pretty great. Yeah. 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 If, you, you know, if, if you're going to hold me to this deal, I'm going to make it hard on you. Yeah. I'll, I'll just run this quickly because Justin and I are going to go inside and watch some amazing stories get out of this heat. Tales from the Dark Side, totally worth checking out. Quick 30 minutes stories. I think they're all out for streaming now. Fear Itself, uh, I'm watching that now. Night Visions. Friday the 13th, the series. I'm just naming off really cool horror anthologies if anyone's interested. Masters of Horror. Nightmares and Dreamscapes, the Stephen King uh, short story collection. There was a, a collection of mini TV mini movies that were made for that that are really good. Hell Girl. <laughs> yeah. Hell Girl in English. Uh, Jigoku Shoujo. It's, it's a really good series that, that, that does the same thing. of, and, that, and I think that's a Japanese storytelling tradition of, hey, these are bad, pe- bad people do bad things and let's get horrible things to happen to There's them. There's a show uh, called Paranoia Agent also that did sort of an anthology 
type of storytelling, but they kind of tied it all together. It's really good. It's kind of horrifying. <laughs> kind of real horrifying. I mean, I'm always going to love horror stuff, so that's that's a, a, a great thing to go for me. And you know, there are anthology series that 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 weren't horror; they're drama, and that's going to be one of the things we're watching tonight. It's amazing stories. Uh, Steven Spielberg and like 30 other dudes came together to, to pay tribute to the amazing stories pulp series. Because if we want to talk about where all these things come from at the height of their power it's in the 19 you know the 1890s to like the 1940s where you have these pulp magazines traditionally they were like men's magazines like Argosy and um, you had weird tales which is your sci-fi fantasy stuff and you had amazing stories which were like your adventure your uh, Horatio Alger stories is what they kind of call them of guys doing great big things Star Wars and Indiana Jones are direct tributes to those things. Yep. Um, you know, because you, you have with, with through Star Wars, that's your tribute to Buck Rogers and all those sci-fi westerns in space, and you have Indiana Jones, which is your tribute to King Solomon's Mines, Quatermass, and all these heroes of uh, the of going out to the darkest jungles and fighting crazy weird bad guys and, and having adventures. But Amazing Stories was one of those pulp magazines that told these type of really good stories and most of them have been reprinted in really good editions they're really worth checking out if you can find them uh so many of the stories are, are public domain now they're worth checking out just to check out some of these old writers and it's funny some of these old writers are so hard to track down because people would use pseudonyms and you'd have one guy writing under 10 names just because hmm. that's how you that's how you kept afloat you know without these these pulp venues you wouldn't have conan you wouldn't have any of the hp lovecraft stuff and if you didn't have, you wouldn't have Star Wars. You wouldn't have Indiana Jones. You wouldn't have Star Trek. So really, my life would be meaningless. Like, I can't because, think of any reason because, to live. Uh, Star, those things. Star Trek is a western. Yeah, it is. And all those westerns become popular in the penny novels of the 1890s and the and the 1900s. This tradition of really cheap pulpy novels, cheap newsprint pulp stories, you know, public entertainment. Um, uh, you you wouldn't have our our nerdscape most of it without it today and on that note we're going to go check out a couple episodes of amazing stories it's got some really cool stuff that i hope justin will like so we're gonna go check a couple episodes of amazing stories out it'll give us a few things to think about and we'll check you back later here in a few minutes let's rock all right then so we just watched two episodes ghost train and gather ye acorns from the first season of amazing stories so what'd you think of them they're pretty interesting. the The first story it definitely hooked me pretty quick. With old, mysterious old man, what's he doing in that field? He's pointing directions. What does that mean? It, it's a it's a story of a of an older man who comes to live with his son and his son's family. You find out through the story that back in the fifties or forties, uh, as a young boy, he was waiting for a train that he was going to take, and he fell asleep on the tracks. It works for the story, but you feel bad that the brakeman didn't want to kill the boy, but instead hit the brakes, derailed the train, and killed everyone else on the train. Yeah, I mean, it seems like an easy choice. Just murder the child, it's fine. These, these stories, almost all of these were story by Steven Spielberg and someone else. This is just his dedication to storytelling. The opening of the title credits is actually a, a, a caveman telling a story around a fire. And it goes through all these little vi interesting visuals. And at the end, it's everyone in a living room watching TV 
around of this caveman telling stories of fire and just talking about the generational transfer of stories and how storytelling is the basis of everything we do it's how we it's how we teach it's how we share yeah, it was a it was a really good story um except that really bad child actor as child actors are want to be he, he kept doing things with his arms i didn't understand what he was he was, he was throwing them all over the which ways Grandpa. Oh, sorry, no, Opa, Opa. That's yeah, I don't Opa. know what that means either. <laughs> it's 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 Germanic. Okay, that child was back talking his mom too. He was, he was sassy. He was very sassy. He needed to go get sent off to some sort of boarding school. If rubbing raw turkey, like how he kept taking all the different stuff and <laughs> he was, I'm just going to take everything, all the forks in the sink and everything clean we have. And I'm just going to stab this t- raw turkey and put it back <laughs> nonchalantly. That entire scene that was happening, I was like, stub it, E. coli everywhere. Please no. The food poisoning. This older man is haunted by by this ghost train, and it's about his chance to find that train again and to get back on it. It's it's very heartwarming. You could take this very dark in one way, but he takes it kind of like you know coming the circle in his life, and and it, it's kind of sweet. And then the uh, the dirty train conductor guys steal all their their things. <laughs> the steals, engineers, yeah. Yeah, steals steals their coffee. It's like, "Thank you, Mr. Coffee," and steals their coffee. Sorry for wrecking your house. We're also going to steal your drinks. And take it out, <laughs> taking stuff out of the refrigerator. Oh yeah, the train runs through their house and yes. destroys the kid in his parents' house. Yes, because the grandfather does get a chance to ride the train again as they just destroy this completely new house they just built. Yeah, but it's fine because their grandpa gets to go to hell, presumably. <laughs> I mean, he murdered a train for all people due to negligence. <laughs> That's that's what Steven Spielberg was trying to say. <laughs> that's what this, I that's what I took away. This is this is how your grandfather goes to hell. Yep. And other story, Gather Ye Acorns, starring Mark Hamill. It was pretty cool seeing Mark Hamill in a role besides Luke. Although all I heard in my head was, "I am a Jedi." Every time he talked, <laughs> except for that one laugh he did. And he did a Joker laugh. It was great. You're like, "Oh my God, a Joker!" This is a Joker. It's so scary every time. <laughs> but it was it was a pretty good story. Um, basically, as a child, a, a goblin visits him. And tells him that he should hang on to all his comics and toys, and one day they'll be worth money. Well, he says one day you'll become rich. So it, uh, that, that, that hold on to your treasures. Hold on to your treasures. And, uh, and don't be afraid to dream. Exactly. Um, so basically he says, be a bum, and that's exactly what Mark Hamill does. He's a bum his whole life, and he's homeless. Well, well we have the that story, you know, as he's in his 40s, as his shack in the desert is torn down. Yeah, it was very depressing. And then in the 80s. He gets to be rich. Yep. As once he becomes 80 years old, that's when all the hoarding finally pays off, when he's years from death. Supposedly, though, and maybe so they don't make it so dire, when he's telling the kids there that he almost married someone in the circus, hopefully he's telling a true story and not just something that he made. Because maybe he was out there as he was on the road, lived a wild dreamerful life yeah i'm sure he had some life and, and it was the years between he was 50 and when he was 80 yeah because we we missed like 20 years or so there yeah, probably that, that are a lot darker in 20 or 30 years as forrest whitaker and his playing a guy in his comic shop look at that this is an action comics that's the first appearance of superman's like the first they were just movie. touching those comics with their hands <laughs> just rubbing rubbing the finger i was oils. like no was like, those better be props had like marvel tales number one yeah Stuff now it's funny because they were they're naming prices of fifteen twenty thousand dollars then you know this is mid late eighties you know those comics I know that we just had the eBay sale of that nine point graded action comics number one that was like three point two million dollars yep, yep. we we can talk about for a second how Mark Hamill's character was actually mentally ill and <laughs> there was no gremlin there that was a magic that was his mind 
He's a crazy person. It's who saw grilling people. Well, because his father forced him to always study those medical books yeah. and put so much pressure on him because I guess his dad was a mail carrier or something. He was some sort of crappy job, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, you're going to, at eight years old, he's making him read He said from the time books. he was two, okay. he was going to make him be a surgeon or some sort of doctor. So that drove him into insanity. Uh, he may have had some chemical which, imbalances Which, which as turned well. him into a hoarder. He had all kinds of different problems. It just, it just so happens that he was a hoarder at the birth of American youth culture at any other time in history he just would have been a bum yeah he would just had a garb like a sack full of trash and i think there was another reason why i picked amazing stories here and the power a part of anthologies is the individual power of storytelling that you can tell something in a small form and that it works so well and sticks around with a kid uh, yep. you know a, a short story in my mind can sometimes stick around better than a longer story because it's more concise why we have posts on Facebook of chain mail and all that crap passes around so much better. You can't pass on a novel no. as a as a. As Why don't you go and read this one thousand page novel and then if pass it on if you like it. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> let me tell you about how uh, how ultra techno libertarianism is the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. That doesn't catch on because of about one thousand page novels. That's why pamphlets are invented. Right. If if you could ever put Ayn Rand on Facebook, yeah, that would be terrible. I think uh, I think as I've gotten older, my attention span for media has decreased. Hmm. So I'm more drawn toward anthology type short stories shorter movies as as you and john talked about before i probably wouldn't like watching extended lord of the rings as i once enjoyed you know five five and a half hours i will watch two towers extend like three or four times a day <laughs> as many as the maximum amount of times you could watch it in a day that's how many times i would watch it back when it first came out oh. it was great i have no regrets but nowadays you give me like like you and john talked about zombie land the perfect movie yes. it's it, perfect 88 minutes or whatever and, and that's why I think uh, certain comic books work so well. And that's why, maybe I shouldn't say comic books, I should say graphic novels. Right. If you can tell a story in this concise form and have it be done, that, that's a treasure. That's perfect, yeah. Because no one wants to be done with a story anymore. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the big problems with a lot of series that go on now. I think they, they should have ended a long time ago. Yeah. I think Supernatural is one of those series that should have probably ended after... A few seasons, then tired that's it. the great thing about having a 24-minute episode of something. You're not like tapping that well of story. You're, you, know, you have to create a whole new world. And you're not getting diluted with a bunch of different characters either. Most of the time, these stories follow one or two different characters, maybe a family. And I think that's, that's a great way to sum up and talk about the power of anthologies. Is from the creators, it asks for something more. Yeah. If you're going to have an anthology series, uh, television, movie, whatever, you've got to actually think of. And, and they can be uneven sometimes, but I think you're going to have a lot more chances in that chamber of the gun to hit good. Oh, yeah. I think, I think every once in a while, you're going to have a huge success. And there's going to be an episode that just sticks with somebody throughout their whole life if they see it. That's like with Twilight Zone. There's so many iconic episodes of that. You just keep coming back to them. And yep. so many different forms of media, they keep coming back and they keep parodying them and they keep paying tribute to, right. to different episodes. All right. Well, everyone, I'd like to thank Justin Lizard for coming in and talking with us. It's, uh, it's been fun. I definitely enjoy having a chance to talk about all the media and madness, the things that I, that I appreciate. And I wish that we could all share with each other a little bit more. Thanks for listening. I'm Halen Pittman. This has been The Deep End with Halen Pittman. Have a good night. All right.